Well, by the time I've had a few gins, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Do you miss me uh, singing at the Deathless? I miss the singing <laughs> at the Death. It's not even a man cave, really. It's a very pleasantly decorated room. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've then got Anne Boleyn coming through the door. Hello, 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 and welcome to the very first Hobnob episode brought to you by Fulfillment Crowd, the world-leading fulfillment provider trusted by online retailers to fulfill orders on time, every time. Yes, you did hear me right. Our brand new podcast is called Hobnob, created to inspire conversations with industry-leading e-commerce professionals, giving you the best advice and tips straight from the horse's mouth. My name is Cameron Mitchell, and I'll be hosting today's podcast alongside my esteemed guests. Hello, guys, and thanks for joining me. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Starting off with you, Lee. Oh, yeah, go on. I'll go first. I, I do feel very honoured to be esteemed. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I, I'm Lee. Lee, I'm the Sales and Marketing Director here, keeping the fires burning. Katie? Um, I'm Katie. I'm the Creative Designer and Brand Manager at Fulfillment Crowd. Hi, I'm Liz. I'm the Marketing Executive at Fulfillment Crowd. Thanks, guys. So it's nice to virtually hear from you all today. Um, thanks for joining me through the power of technology whilst we're all working from home today. Um, so as we're having a hobnob right now, I'd further, firstly like to start off by asking a very important question. Katie, so dunk or not to dunk? 100% dunk, but you don't, don't leave it in there too long because you're going to end up with a mess <laughs> in your cup. Yeah, you need a quick dip, dip and dab. That's, that's important. <laughs> Um, Lee, tea, coffee, or gin? Oh, gin, every time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not no dunking your, dunk, dunk your biscuits in your, in your gin. Well, I, I do like uh, dunking Doritos. Not in gin, I hope. <laughs> Out, really. Well, by the time I've had a few gins, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, um, Liz, another very important question. Bourbon or custard cream? It's a controversial one, I know, but it's got to be a custard cream. They're just the superior yeah. biscuit. Yeah, I've got. Yeah. I, I agree. agree with you. I don't agree. One hundred percent disagree. Really? Oh, of course, it, of course, it would be you, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being different, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Need some diversity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, firstly, um, I'd like to start off by just asking how you all are. Um, how we're all coping with working from home, how you find in lockdown. Liz, do you want to start off? Yeah, sure. I don't, yeah, I don't know if enjoying lockdown's the right word, but um, we're, we're doing fine. It's becoming the new normal, as they say now, um, feeling more adjusted to it. But I do miss the busy office environment. I miss HQ. I miss um, the routine of it all, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as soon as we miss me singing at the desk, I miss the singing <laughs> at the desk and the all-important yeah. snack drawer. Yeah, the snack drawer when anyone brings in a bake. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait to get back when it's safe, but I do feel adjusted to it now. Yeah. Yeah. So Katie, how are you um, adjusting? Are you keeping yourself entertained at the weekend? I know you've been sending lots of snaps about baking it. I know, I can't stop baking. I'm becoming like an addict. I'm just recreating everything. I've recreated tapas, I've baked two cheesecakes, I made butterfly cakes on Friday and they're all gone by Sunday. So, yeah, it's not the best. I believe you even had a go at making your own Mackey D's. Yeah, I did. I tried to recreate the Big Mac. It was really, really good, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm glad to hear. So, um, Lee, how do you uh, like to relax and unwind when you're not working? Have you got any um, latest book, film or TV recommendations for our self isolators well, well, Cameron, I have a little room, nice snug. <laughs> Uh, and after a, an odd day's graft, oh, I. I like to go in there, <laughs> lock myself away. I no one come and join. Me. Is that your man cave? Uh, it's not even a man cave. Really. It's a very <laughs> pleasantly decorated room. And I've got my record player in there. Oh, nice. Um, and, and actually, bizarrely, I feel uplifted at the moment playing Morrissey records. Um Maybe the situation that we find ourselves in, Morrissey's actually cheering me up. Um, <laughs> and I just sit in that chair with a glass of Italian red, something nice and rich Lovely. and fruity, and uh, a good book. Something like a Max Hastings. I like history books, me. I like to know more about history. But uh, if I had to pick one book, if you were casting me away to a desert <laughs> island, segueing here into a totally different question... <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd probably have to take the uh, the Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumois, an absolute classic. And of you course. won't fob me off of with the abridged version. I want the full version, <laughs> the one that takes about five months to read. Well, I'll keep a note of that. Um... <laughs> Cameron's going to go and buy that after this. Right away. I certainly hope he does. Yeah, yeah. Go for Do it. we have that in our warehouse? <laughs> <laughs> we may do. We may do, actually. Yeah, you never know. Oh, yeah, we could. Um... Just to start off today's discussion then, um, we really want to concentrate on um, how brands have recently had to adjust their marketing and brand strategy. Um, you know, they always need to be competitive and keep competitive and be at the forefront of customers' minds. Um, I guess it's a bit different for Fulfillment Crowd because we're more B2B. But um, Lee, I just wanted to ask you about um, the transformation um, from Exact Abacus um, way back in the day and its recent rebranding to Fulfillment Crowd, which happened back in 2017, and how that came into fruition? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spent probably 20 years of my working life trying to get rid of Exact Abacus right. as, a, as, a, as a brand. <laughs> um, no, not simply because it doesn't really mean anything to anyone. Um, and it was no longer really descriptive um, of, of what we did. Not that it was in the first place, but um, but I think it. it but the, the change to fulfillment crowd also heralded a change in uh, in direction for the business and focus yeah. for the business. Um, and I think that uh, your, your brand has to align with your mission, your vision. Everything has to come into line. Um, and it goes beyond just you know that clever catchphrases and, and nice design it, it, it pervades everything that you do and I think that uh, we had to make a statement to ourselves as much as to our customers and our prospects that we are now uh, we're now a you know fulfillment focused provider yeah. uh, and only fulfillment and I think it's only by focusing on things can you get really good at them um, and, and, and grow into that industry. So, yeah, that that was a, a really important step on our our journey, which has now been going on for thirty years, so thirty plus years. Yeah. So, um, but I don't think we've looked back. I think we worried a lot at the start as to whether people would like us changing our name, whether they thought there may be something untowards going on. Um, but all that worry in practice, I, I don't think I had two conversations about it. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was the right thing to do, and, and we've never looked back since we did it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also paid off now. You've seen the results from 
you know, when we've rebranded and how successful we've been so far. So it's it's great to see the, the company grow in that in terms of that. Um so Katie, from your point of view, um you had a major role in the rebranding from Exact Abacus. So how did you handle such a huge um task and like what what challenges did you face um in the rebranding? Yeah, so it's not really often you you come to a company and they do a full rebrand. You know, normally everyone's set and, you know, for me it was it was massive and it was such a big design challenge, but it was exciting and it was probably one of the best projects I've been able to work on. It, it gave me a huge amount of responsibility and it's also made me develop so much as a designer. And I think now when we undergo campaigns or when I undergo a new design, it's so much easier because the brand is so tight and those guidelines are so good that, you know, I don't have to worry about does this look right because it just always looks right now. And I think, you know, we're constantly pushing in our mission and our values and everyone just knows where we're going. And I think that's so important. Fantastic. So, um, Liz, similar question to you. I mean, you started your role fairly early in the rebranding how did you find that coming into um into the business yeah so I I actually started I think it was the last full week of the rebrand so I was just kind of helping with the finishing touches in terms of the website um making sure that was clear everywhere that our new mission was clear um I think internally though in terms of embracing change and coping with the pivot of the new business model I probably found it the easiest because it was all I'd ever known really yeah, yeah. I suppose um, you're at a bit of an advantage because everyone was starting at the same time then with the new rebrand. Yeah, I think maybe if I'd started maybe a couple couple months earlier, it might have been a bit more of a struggle because I'd have been more trying to get my head around what we were and also what we were becoming. Um, but I think I started at the right time, really. Um, I think the only kind of challenge kind of lasting challenge but that obviously we're all aware of now is I never knew at the time how powerful the tech actually was for a while because of that focus and push on the services the fulfillment services the pick the pack and dispatch um I never knew really just how central the platform and the warehouse technology fulfillment crowd is to the customer proposition um because obviously that was at the very core of the business when it was exact yeah. abacus and it still is it's just yeah. integrating that with the new rebrand yeah i suppose that's a, a learning curve for us all like you know technology is ever so developing and we're investing more and more every year into that so it's yeah exactly yeah, it's really interesting to see um so yeah following on from that then um leah i just wanted to talk to you about i mean you said previously that you've been with the business for um was it almost 30 years now um years on that Cameron <laughs> oh I'm <bad>, sorry so what would you say is the best tip for online retailers that you've had experience with and what the DNA of success is ah well one thing I have seen and, and I've seen a lot of people fail um and I think there's a bit of a common thread there is that the people who fail tend tend to fall the ones who fall in love with their own ideas. Yeah. Mm. And 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 it's really important that when you're developing something, it's 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 the people you're selling to are really important. Yeah. Um and the market ultimately will validate whether your idea is a good one or not. Um but I think the ones that the, the DNA of success, so to speak, are the people that have done really well. 
in, in my experience. One, those retailers or online brands, or call them what you will, those that go beyond just satisfying a customer, just doing things proficiently. Yeah. It's those, it's those people who, who genuinely excite the customers who are the ones who are doing well. You know, whether that is be the, you know, the, the website experience, the unboxing experience, yeah. the product mm. itself. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, there, there's something either as a collective or an individual process that they have that their customers are genuinely excited by. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the difference between just being a, a middle of the road brand uh, versus being a, a really successful stellar brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also like, um, brands that are keeping up to date with the trends as well that they need to have a take a proactive approach um as, as like you said not to get too distracted by falling in love with their own idea um so katie are there any trends at the minute that you think businesses should take heed of um i think personally i'm seeing like a big shift in what people want i think unfortunately the high street is starting to deteriorate and might become non-existent um and i think people want to support local they want to shop online they want speed you know everyone wants it now and like lee said they want that really good experience of going on a website going through to check out and people love that unboxing experience as well and i think you know everything is becoming more digital like i don't have to move these days i can get everything online so i think for those smaller brands it's ensuring that your website and your online present is is dominant um that would be my advice yeah, absolutely. Um, following on from that then, um, Lee, what do you think from a first-hand point of view is the future of fulfilment? I know not everyone can be like Amazon, you know, having um, drones to your front door maybe sometime in the future, but, you know, what what are the things that you can see for fulfilment? I, I certainly do think uh, if you're looking in the far future, you know, drones and robotics and AI, big data, all mm-hmm. those things are very much yeah. in the mix. I think the real the challenge though is to is is one that needs to be laid down to online retailers and anyone who's already trading or thinking of trading, and fulfilment really needs to be seen as a utility, an essential service. Yeah. Um, and and I think you know we I think we ourselves do do more than most to try to sort of demystify the whole um, you know principles of fulfilment and outsourcing that part of your business and indeed even amazon through the fba uh, service have, have, have made good good strides in that regard um but yeah i think it, in, in our market the real challenge is to make it as simple as possible and i said before about you know not going beyond proficiency and, and moving into exciting and, and that's our yeah. challenge really you know we've got to excite our customers through the, you know, the, the way in which we hold the stock, the way in which we deliver their goods to the customers, the way they interact with our technology. Um, we've got to make it easy for them, but also exciting for them. And, you know, if you're excited in some, about something or in, interested in something, likely it is you're going to make it a success. An awful film crowd and now expanded into um, Europe and the US. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you faced in that process? Yeah, I mean, we, we, there's a number of different elements to that. You know, there's, there's the service elements. You've got to get closer to your customers. Yeah. Uh, there's the sustainability elements. You've got to, you know, I think we're, we're very much aligned on, on our sustainability objectives yeah. of reducing waste but reducing delivery miles. Um, and it, so, therefore, it's quite important that it makes no sense at all to for a, a client of ours to 
bring some stock in from China only to send it back to China again to a customer in Shanghai. Um, It would be a far, you know, we we are pursuing a decentralized vision uh, whereby we have centers across the world um, within easy access of of the the biggest markets in the world. And actually the, the challenge for us is probably what I call East of Suez, but you know, the Middle East, the Far East, Australasia, that that in, within the next couple of years is going to account for well over 50% of, yeah. of total e-commerce volumes. So it's, I think it's important that we are there yeah. and we are we are giving uh, or providing our customers uh, with a gateway into those really important emerging markets. Yeah, so who knows? We could have um, a new centre in Abu Dhabi or wherever <laughs> next, you, know? you never know. So being at the forefront of sales and, um, you know, you're kind of on the front line of that, you must have some um, funny stories from the past that you'd like to share <laughs> from maybe in the early uh, days of Fulfillment Crowd. Well, I don't want to give you too much insight into my memoirs. <laughs> there, um, they will be available in shops uh, very, very soon. A bestseller, I'm sure. So, um... <laughs> Well, I'd hope so. I mean, you know, I've got a, I've got an interesting writing style, but uh, no, I mean, I think um, my my life as a salesperson has, has has changed quite a lot, really, from being out on the road four or five days a week, being fed appointments, uh, to now being far more strategically focused and and, and helping others. Yeah. Um, but I think the one I'm, I think the one that lives in my mind is is when I did a, a demonstration or a technology in the middle of a section <laughs> um, at, 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 at Staples Corner, which he, and and I should add it wasn't just a, a sex shop, it was a specialist. Wow. Oh wow! <laughs> Very niche. Uh, but but uh, you know. I, I went in there, you know, with uh, back then it was very much um, suit and tie, and and uh, you know, yeah, I'm you know, going in fresh face, barely shaven, <laughs> at the time. Um, and the, uh, certainly it opened my eyes that day. Um, he did offer me, I'm leaving. He offered, would you like a selection of magazines <laughs> <laughs> for the train journey home? I mean, how do you how do you respond to it? Yeah, how do you respond to it? How do you respond to a question? Similarly to that, then we do have quite a a vast range of products in our warehouses. Um, what are some of the weirdest or most interesting products you think you've come across starting off with you, Liz? Um, I don't know if they were a customer, but I do remember we get a lot of inbound inquiries and sometimes I like to have a little look. And I think one of them was, um, it was oxygen ventilators, but for horses. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I honestly didn't even know it was a thing. Obviously, it's not a weird product. It's a very, like, clever piece of kit, but I don't know whether it was for performance measures, whether it was medical reasons, but they need the products for filling people, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, what about you, Lee, by the um, adult toys that you mentioned before? Yeah, well, I won't mention more about them, but uh, I won't say it's the weirdest products, but they were only they were only weird. It was a customer I used to have many years ago, and they're, they're, unfortunately, they're no longer trading, but uh, and maybe this is the reason why, but they used to do what was called collectibles. I always remember this, uh, uh, Henry VIII and his six wives. Right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so you got like, and the way, the way it worked back then is that week one you got Henry, and uh, you know you get your plate, and you paid for that over over three months. So it was like twenty pound a month. It's expensive plate. Uh, once you paid for the Henry plate, yeah, you then got Anne Boleyn coming through the door, and then you know eventually Anna Cleves and all the others would follow. Um, but I could never figure out why the hell would you want. Henry VIII and his six wives plates, where would you put them? How would we use them? And why the, Why would you pay hundreds of pounds for the privilege of owning this, uh, how would I call, tat? Um, so it's certainly not, not, not the weirdest product by any means, but, um, but it always amused me and amazed me at uh, how easily uh, uh, money is, is parted from, uh, from, from certain people in the market. But uh, I'm sure there was, there's many owners of those mm those plates and uh, many happy I, mean, yeah. I remember those subscription magazines. I used to do them as a child and I can remember my granddad spent so much money when I subscribed to a magazine where you used to get like a stuffed mouse but a different one in a different outfit every week. <laughs> and I'm just thinking like after you said that I bet he spent so much money on that. It's nuts. Everyone's got to have a hobby, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, moving on from that then, um, Katie, what would you say, especially during these times, um, is what motivates you most um, working away from your team, but also virtually working with us as well? Yeah, um, I think for me, it's it's when we think of a new idea or a campaign and we develop that from start to finish and seeing the results and how, you know, we what we've developed is helping our customers achieve their goals as well. You know, we all work so well as a team and we all have our strengths. And I just think, you know, our customer success is so important and everyone's really hands-on and, you know, enthusiastic all the time. And we just we just work together well and I think it, it just runs smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also helps that, you know, we all get on together yeah. as well at the same time. So, you know, you spend most of your time um, at yeah. work and working with your colleagues. So, you, you know, it's a must that you need to get on 100%. with them. I mean, it um, took me a while to become friends with Liz. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, but... <laughs> Don't lie. Sorry, Liz. Don't even lie. You you were seeking me out. <laughs> it was love at first. Night, yeah. It was. Um, so so Lee, what would you say from a leadership point of view um, as our team's manager? How would you say that you like to motivate your team? Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I think motivation comes from within the team, and, and the team itself is, is the, for me, is the be all end all. I've always been a massive uh, believer in, in the strength of a collective. Yeah. Um, but I also, um, you know, there's no rhyme or reason for, for you know, behind a good team. I, I'm really fortunate. I've got a fantastic team of people who, who, who get on well with each other, who work well with each other. Um, but uh, there's no there's no science behind it. But you've got a uh, good teams of those made up of different per- personalities with different skills, different characteristics. Um, I think we've got obviously a good a good thing going here. Um, but as much, as easy as it can come, it can go as well. You know, you only need to bring a, a person in who who doesn't necessarily fit within that team, and that balance goes. So. Uh, I, I think everything that I do from a leadership perspective is trying to maintain the cohesiveness of that yeah. team um, and then also make sure that team is, is professionally developed, is constantly being challenged and, and being sort of given every assistance it needs to, to be a success and then ultimately sharing yeah. in that success. Fantastic. So um, 
just moving on from that then, um, I mean, we've touched on it slightly, but um, Lee and Liz, if you could start off just by telling us what you think, um, what makes all the hard work worth it all? You know, is it is it customer success? Is it personal success? Um, yeah, I'd say that customer success and personal success kind of, they kind of relate to each other. Um, any interactions that I have with the customers um, I don't happen very often. Like, obviously, we're in marketing. We're quite top of the funnel. Um, our fulfillment experts obviously check up on a regular basis with our e-commerce customers. They work alongside them every day. Um, but whenever we create a case study, I would say, or film a customer satisfaction testimonial, that's probably the time where you're most motivated. For example, um, earlier in January, we shot a testimonial with um, the co-founder, Alex, from 195, the Retail Sustainable Travel Accessories. And he, he came to our yeah. HQ and um, we were having a chat with him and on camera just seeing someone so passionately talking about their product and then talking enthusiastically about how we've helped them at Fulfillment Crowd to grow the business, whether that's positioning his stock more strategically in international centres, as Lee mentioned before, whether that's the ease and visibility of the platform that saved them time so that they can focus on the things that excite them more. I think they're the times where it makes you feel like you've personally succeeded the most. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's having that special relationship as well when you've seen them from the early stages of, you know, their growth and that we've grown alongside them and helped them um, within that, which is yeah. very important. So, Lee, who would you say has been your biggest influence in business? Do you think that's changed over time? Uh, what has influenced you in that way? Oh, that's a really tricky one, that, Turkan. I'd say, I'd probably have to say the biggest influence in, 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 uh, on my personality and, and the way I approach mm. things is my dad, yeah. actually. Um, you know, he, he, he played to his strengths in, in business. Um, he was seen to be a, a hard but fair operator yeah. um, and, and a reasonably successful one to boot. And, and if I can emulate uh, half of what he, he achieved in, in my working life, I'll, I'll retire after <laughs> that. That's good to hear. Um, so have any of you got any like quotes or anything that you'd like to share with our podcast listeners this week? I'm sure, I'm sure Lee's got one. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Come Lee. on, we're listening. <laughs> well, as you know, yeah. I do like a good quote. Um, but there's one that always, always sticks in my mind. Um, and it's been often paraphrased, actually. History will be kind to me as I intend oh. to write it. Fantastic. That's good credit. That's deep. And okay, you've got one from a very famous... Um, yeah, see, I've got a Thomas Edison one, Lee, and I think it could be yours, you know. So mine is, there is a way to do it better, find it. And I think that speaks volumes. It does. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, if you'd like to join us next time for more industry insight and special guests, um, then give us a follow on Anchor at HobnobFC. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Fulfillment Crowd.